Brought to you by the WZIP Sports Team, this is Sports Power Talk Overtime. Featuring in-depth interviews. I didn't really plan to ask this, but since you brought it up, what's it like kind of having like your own meme? Like, how does that make you feel? <laughs> Exclusive original content. He crosses paths with another best in the world. Oh, that gets you excited, don't it? Look. Oh, that gets me excited. And of course, the hottest takes. My dad used to have this saying, if you don't like the series, you don't like football. Well, like- I say I'm a pretty big football fan, and I despise <laughs> the Steelers. Okay, okay. <laughs> so get ready, because it's time for SPT Overtime. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to this week's episode of SPT Overtime. My name is Patrick, and I'll be hosting the NHL show today. I am joined by Dan Groen. How's it going, everyone? I am deep in the heart of Hurricanes territory. <laughs> I'm not used to being on this side of the mic, but um, I'm excited for this episode. We're excited to have you here. In today's episode, we're going to cover a little bit of the Columbus Blue Jackets in this offseason, the upcoming NHL draft, and, of course, the recap of the NHL playoffs with our predictions of the Stanley Cup Finals. But first, we have a little bit of Blue Jackets news. Jack Roslovic was extended to a two-year, $8 million contract. I am extremely excited about this contract. I love Jack Roslovic. Dan, what are your opinions on this? I, I honestly love the extension. Uh, it's nice to have someone who loves to be here, given that he's from Columbus. Nice to hold someone here for the next couple years. Uh, he's 25. He still has some room to grow. But we kind of know what we have in him, and that's being a very solid middle six, bottom six uh, forward. And, you know, when we go back to that trade that happened over a year ago that sent Roslovic and Line, I hear, in exchange for Pierre-Luc Dubois, when you look at the stats, Roslovic is playing almost as well as PLD has in uh, pretty much the two years that they've both been in their new uh, teams. Roslovic's got uh, 79 points in 129 games, whereas Pierre-Luc Dubois has 80 points in 122 games. So that alone, you could almost, if it was just Dubois for Roslovic, that alone is almost even right there. And then you throw in a guy like Patrick Laine. We all know how good he is and how good he can be. That that trade was just an absolute fleece. And so I'm really happy that we not only got Rosovic is part of that trade, but that we have him here for the next couple of years. So am I. I mean, I saw that. I think we actually underpaid him a little bit, but I know he could have gotten better contracts somewhere else, but he chose to stay here in Columbus, and you love to see it. The players want to be around. I'm excited for the future with Jack Rosovic. Moving into the offseason, though, what would you like the Jackets to do? I've got a couple things personally that I would like for us to do, but I want to have your takes first. Okay, yeah. The absolute number one priority that they have this offseason is to keep Patrick Laine and Columbus. Absolutely. He seems to really like it here. Um, there's definitely going to be some high bidders out there, and we're just going to have to be the highest bidding one because, you know, quite honestly, you know, we haven't been able to keep a lot of star guys around long term. And so there's, you know, we're going to have to pay that kind of tax. But, He's definitely someone worth keeping here for a lot of money. He's very young still. Uh, he still has plenty of room to grow and develop, and it's, it might have to take something like $8 million or more um, a year uh, to keep him around for a while. I'm thinking maybe at least $8 million for five years. 
I think that would be a pretty fair deal. But if we could keep him here, uh, ideally on a team-friendly contract, that would be awesome. If we have to pay for him, or if we have to overpay a little more, then so be it. I just do not want to see us lose another star player. So I think that that is pretty much our biggest priority. Um, other moves that I can see us make, I honestly I don't see us being huge bidders when it comes to free agency because we really haven't been um you know big spenders when it comes to that under Yarmo Kekalainen. Um but I would like to see us sign maybe a veteran defenseman. Um I can't imagine we're like in you know the top market or we're in the market for a real top guy, but if we can get someone solid like I don't know, maybe John Klingberg from Dallas, uh Josh May Josh Manson from Colorado, I really like the grit that he plays with very strong uh, defensive defenseman, or uh, maybe Calvin DeHaan, maybe Nikita Zadorov. Again, these could be big stretches. I, there could be a guy that I don't even know about that we end up signing, but I think that we definitely need to add some veteran presence to our uh, defensive room. But other than that, just sign Patrick Line and just let the team grow. 100% extend Patrick Line. He is the future of our franchise. I also would like for us to see you know, us possibly pursue, like you said, some veteran defensemen, some other free agents. And for me, I honestly would like to see us try to bring Maxi Domi back, if possible. I know that he was on his last year of his contract. He is a free agent. I would love for us to bring him back. I was really upset when we got rid of him and traded him at the deadline. Not to mention, I would like for us to honestly pursue P.K. Subin, who is also a free agent. I think if we could somehow land P.K. Subin there, he's still got a couple good years left. Really, really solid player. I think he would fit great on the team. I would like to see us get him and maybe even Johnny Boychuk, if we could, or Boychuk. I thought Johnny Boychuk was uh, retired. Oh, I did he retire? still, like, under contract. Okay. I think, well, you know, on an expiring contract, but I believe he retired, uh, like, a season or two ago in okay. uh, the Islanders. He might still be in there. I was looking at uh, possible defensemen that we could bring up on the free yeah. agent board. That's probably why it said he was a free agent. <laughs> yeah. All right, moving on from what we want the Jackets to do in free agency. Your Columbus Blue Jackets in this upcoming draft managed to get the sixth pick, which we got in that trade um, from the Chicago Blackhawks where we shipped off Seth Jones, and we got the 12th overall pick as well. We've got a lot of good talent coming into this draft. Now with the sixth pick, Dan, who do you want the Columbus Blue Jackets to take? Well, it's it's kind of hard to predict who Yarmo is going to end up taking because we've seen in previous drafts where he goes pretty far off the board, off the whole uh, consensus there. Uh, remember when he took Pierre-Luc Dubois uh, a couple years ago, that seemed to be a huge reach. Um, and then Igor Chinakov, I remember when they drafted him, uh, whatever broadcaster was uh, airing the thing, they didn't even have any footage ready for him. So it's hard to predict who they're going to take, but who I would like them to take. I, w- I really want them to load up on defensemen this year. Uh, last year, we desperately needed some centers, so we ended up getting Kent Johnson and Cole Sillinger with our two picks. So this year at number six, I would hope that maybe they go after a defenseman like Simone Nemec or maybe David Jiracek. Uh I think that we definitely need a – we've been – developing our forwards very well i think we need to start doing that with our uh defensemen i could also see them going with another center maybe like a brad lambert um but whatever they do i think they need to go defense somewhere with their first two picks 
Absolutely. Um, I also have us taking a defenseman here. Um, but not the defenseman that you would think. I have okay. us taking Denton Matichuk with the sixth overall pick. And the reason I have us taking Denton is, although he's not projected to go as high as number six, we've always taken the risks on those players. I think that we're going to take the risk on Denton. He's a really, really good player. He's quick. He has a lot of grit. He's been playing for a while. I think we go with Denton. I think we make the safe pick, get the defenseman early on while we can, and then maybe look to load up on wings later in the draft. Yeah, I like that pick because I actually have us taking him at number 12 uh, to grab our second defenseman there um, because pretty much all the reasons you said, he's also a really good leader from what I've read. Um, I'd also like to take someone like Owen Pickering. Okay. I think that he's a very solid two-way player. And I also imagine that whatever defenseman they get, they're going to want someone who is very solid on the defensive end. I know that's kind of like redundant to say, but there's a couple other uh, defensive prospects in here that from what I've read, they kind of lack in the defensive side. They're kind of more of your Tyson Berries where they're very strong when it comes to scoring and offense, but we really need someone that's going to help out Elvis Merzlikens here. And so I would try to avoid someone like a Kevin Korchinski or a Pavel Mintukov. I think that Yarmo is going to definitely try to take someone more defensive minded um, with the, with, with one of the two picks. And I also learned if we end up going center, there's a couple of really good options to take. And one of them, is that I learned that there's another one, there's another player named Jack Hughes, who, not related to any of the other Hughes, and <laughs> obviously, because there's another Jack Hughes, but he plays center for Northeastern. So I could see okay. them maybe reaching for him. It's, it's kind of like Sebastian Ajo. There's two Sebastian Ajos in hockey. So that's going to be really confusing for commentators or uh, uh, more casual fans. Absolutely. Now, as I mentioned, we also have the 12th overall pick. Who do you have us taking with that 12th pick? Uh, like I said, I would try to get um, kind of what you said, Denton Matichuk um, or Owen Pickering. I would definitely try to do what we did last year. Uh, what we did last year, obviously taking two centers with our first two picks, I would do the same thing on defense this year because we've already seen it paying off pretty well with Cole Sillinger only being 18. He might be 19 now. Uh, but being 18 in his full first season playing almost every game, I would hope that if we go with two defensemen early on that they can make a pretty quick impact. Absolutely. So I actually have us taking a wing with the 12th overall pick, but that's an if okay. he lasts this long because he might go to the Red Wings, and if he doesn't, I would like for us to pick him up. I have us taking Frank Nazar. He's a center and also plays left wing. I just think he has so much talent. For an 18-year-old, he's been playing two years with the U.S. Uh, national development team, and he's got 36 points his first season, 35 points his second season, 20 goals first season, 15 goals second season, and 31 games played that first season, and 24 in the second season. He's also piling on the assists, especially in the second season with 20. I would like for us to try to see if we can get Frank. Of course, if he manages to fall that far, he has been having workouts with other teams, so I've seen, especially with the Detroit Red Wings, but I would really love to see us get Frank. I think, like I said, he's a good young player. We can put him in at wing. I think he's going to be a standout star for whatever team he gets, and hopefully that'll be us. 
Yeah, I could definitely see that. That'd be a pretty good pick. All right, moving away from your Columbus Blue Jackets, we're going to take a look at the Stanley Cup playoffs. Now, for those of you who might not know, the Stanley Cup finals are getting ready to go underway where it will be the Tampa Bay Lightning in their third consecutive Stanley Cup finals appearance, taking on the Colorado Avalanche in the finals. But before we go on to predict who we think is going to win, let's recap the series throughout the playoffs. First, I want to look at the Avalanche, who swept the Nashville Predators in four games. I think that was the most dominant series win in the entire playoffs, in my opinion. The Avalanche yeah, came out. Agree. The Avalanche came out agree. all cylinders firing. And Dan, we know that you're a big Av supporter. Yep. Let's let's hear your take on this. I predicted that pretty much from the very beginning. I thought that the Avalanche were probably the best team in the playoffs in either conference. And they're going up against a Nashville team that pretty much they fell backwards into the into the playoffs with the maps of the Vegas Golden Knights and pretty much being in a weak Western conference, it was pretty much whoever would end up falling into that place would really have no chance against the Avalanche. So I was very impressed and I was equally impressed by the Avalanche's performance against uh, Edmonton, which we can talk about in a little bit, but I was, uh, yeah, I was really impressed. It was pretty much what I expected to happen. And I'm just glad the Avalanche were able to be so dominant in these playoffs. Absolutely. Now we're going to move on to the St. Louis Blues taking on the Minnesota Wild. St. Louis ended up besting the Wild in the series 4-2. to two. I would say this was probably one of the more exciting series, despite it only going to six games. Um, we both predicted that this game would be probably neck and neck throughout, if not uh, one of the most exciting series. And I don't think it disappointed. Every game went right down to the wire. But unfortunately for the Wild, the Blues ended up moving on in that uh series what are your takeaways from that yeah it was really exciting to watch um i was also happy to see in some of those games uh, i think jody shelley and uh jean-luc grand pierre were on there so it was kind of nice to see them we love jody uh, shelley up here <laughs> friend yeah, of the show yeah. for sure friend of the show um but i i predicted the blues would win i forget if i had them going to six or seven games but it was a very close it was a very competitive series and definitely one of the most exciting ones of that opening round absolutely moving to another series here we have the calgary flames taking on the dallas stars where the flames bested the stars four to three in a game seven what a series what yeah. a series by the flames and the stars wow that's all i have to say this was up there for one of the most exciting series in the playoffs i would argue to say easily a top three for me Every game was a nail-biter, but Calgary mm-hmm. proved they were the better team. They were the younger team, and they bested the Stars, who have started to wane in age a little bit and have definitely showed that, especially, I think, in that Game 7. They got gassed pretty quickly, and the Flames took full advantage of that and won that series. Yeah, and that game or that series went on a lot longer than I thought it would. I thought the Flames would handle them pretty easily, but it, it just goes to show that goaltending is the absolute most important thing in the playoffs and Jake Ottinger I think is the most underrated goalie in the entire league and I've been 100% I've thought I've thought that for the last year or two 
with him. And I, it's just incredible that Dallas was able to last as long as they did against a seemingly, no pun intended, red-hot Calgary Flames team. Absolutely. Moving on to now another series here. We had the Edmonton Oilers taking on the team I had going to the Stanley Cup Finals. Unfortunately, the LA Kings. And Edmonton bested the Kings in another seven-game series. Well fought by LA, but I think we both kind of knew the Oilers were going to win, despite I myself saying the Kings were going to go all the way. Yeah, it was it was definitely a very that was another really exciting series there. Um, and if you, if you're new to the NHL playoffs, I mean these these series that have been played, you can't get much better than them. Go, you know, some of them going to seven, some of them ended up being a sweep, but. This was one of the more exciting ones. And, you know, I was most surprised in this series by Evander Kane. I thought that Edmonton, when they acquired him, I, I did not think it was a smart move. I thought they had many other needs than to get someone with the baggage that he has. But he ended up being really sharp in the playoffs, especially in that series. I'm not sure exactly the, his stat line, but it was pretty much his best uh, playoff, his best uh playoff stretch in his career and so I, I was very excited to see that even though I have my personal gripes against Evander Kane but it was it was still fun to watch it really was moving on here we have the series that honestly I didn't really want to pick a winner because I didn't like either one of these teams but it was the New York Rangers taking on the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Rangers won four to three in the most insane game seven I've ever watched. I genuinely will say that this was the most exciting series of the playoffs for me. Artemi Panarin. Breadman yeah. gets paid. Breadman gets paid. Panarin hit the game-winning goal to send the Rangers on in the playoffs, defeating the Pittsburgh Penguins, and honestly, putting a big smile on my face watching Pittsburgh skate off that ice with their heads down. Yeah, I absolutely love to see that. And really the deciding factor was uh, Sidney Crosby going down because he ended up going down when they were, when the Penguins were up three to one, he ended up missing the last two games or two or three games, I believe. And that pretty much seemed to just absolutely settle it. Like the, the fact that New York Rangers were able to come back from being down three to one, not once, but twice as we'll get to, they've definitely been a very exciting team to watch because you never doubted the talent they had. It was just a matter of putting it together, and they put it together a lot better than I would have imagined they would. I had uh, the Penguins winning in seven, ultimately, but the fact that the Rangers ended up winning in overtime with that goal from Artemi Panarin, who I have completely forgiven at this point for uh, his departure from Columbus. He is now a friend of the show. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, I was very excited to see the Rangers ended up winning that. Even though I don't I don't like the team, it was just nice to see Pittsburgh going down. Absolutely. I remember, I believe I texted you when we went into overtime, and I said, Panarin's going to score the game-winning goal. And lo and behold, as I said, okay. Breadman gets paid. Breadman gets paid. Moving on to another series. This was also a very competitive series. A lot of seven-game series in the first round. You'd love to see it. We had the Carolina Hurricanes taking on the Boston Bruins, where the Hurricanes ended up winning in seven. Nothing's better than watching a Boston team lose. I have to be honest here. Nothing's better than watching 
any team from Boston lose. Congrats to the Hurricanes. They played very well that series, I thought. Um, yeah. Obviously, they're going up against a more experienced Boston Bruins team. Um, the Hurricanes are a very young team, as we had discussed in our previous episode. But I think that they definitely stepped up to the challenge. Everybody thought Boston would win because of their experience, because their players, no matter if they just acquired them or if they'd been there for a while, they had had that deep playoff experience where the Hurricanes, like we said, they were probably one of the youngest teams in the playoffs, but they stepped up when the uh, light was the brightest on them. And what an entertaining series. Absolutely, I agree. I knew that um, Boston was going to put up a heck of a fight there because of just the experience they have that, that, uh, whatever they call it, the, uh, perfection line, I think is what they call it with Marshawn pasta and, uh, uh, Bergeron, you know, you really can't take those guys easy, no matter if they're the last seed or the first seed or whatever. And so I knew that it was going to be a challenge for Carolina to take on, but ultimately it came down to the more well-rounded team winning the team that wanted it most, and that was Carolina. So very impressive series. And, you know, just I, I actually, on my way here, um, the Outer Banks, I drove right by PNC Arena and um, right in the heart of Hurricanes uh, territory, like I said. And, I've, you know, there's a lot of Hurricanes fans around. You, you see a lot of, it, a lot of uh, you know, decals on cars and flags and stuff around. So it's, it's nice to see. Uh, hockey take off around here, especially after that series win. Absolutely. They definitely have one of the most loyal fan bases out of any team in the league. Moving on, we have the Florida Panthers taking on the Washington Capitals, where the Panthers ended up winning in six. No no surprise there, in my opinion. I'm surprised it did go to six. I thought the Panthers would end up sweeping them, or maybe even winning in five. But they're going to take what they can get. The Capitals, as we touched on in the previous episode, they really only have Alex Ovechkin to rely on, and if you can take that away from them, they struggle. Florida managed to isolate Ovechkin, and we see the end result right there. But what a series by Sergei Bobrovsky, really. He's yeah. continuing to prove that he's one of the better goalies in the league. I wouldn't say the best, but definitely still a top-five goalie, in my opinion. What were your takeaways from this series, Dan? Yeah, I was very impressed with Bobrovsky in that series as well. And pretty much the whole team showed up. They were they had more firepower. Um, I knew Washington was kind of like what I said about the last series. I, I knew that they were going to put up a fight because of that championship experience they have being in the playoffs every single year. I knew that that would pose a challenge for Florida, but they managed to use all that star power they have to uh, take down the Capitals and move on to the next round. Absolutely. Now, I saved the final game of the first round for last. The best for last because we can absolutely clown on the teams that played in this series. The Tampa Bay Lightning and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Oh, uh, Those poor Maple Leafs fans. They are so sad. It's a factory of sadness in Canada for them. The Lightning ended up winning in seven games, still putting that stamp of I don't know, probably something along just the stamp of sadness on that Maple Leafs franchise. They can't, no matter how good they are, they can't perform in the playoffs at all. But personally, no. you love to see it, though. Maple Leafs fans, I'm sorry, but not too sorry. 
Yeah, I like I said in the in the uh, podcast right before the playoffs began. Until they can prove otherwise, I'm just going to predict that that's what they're going to do every single year, year in and year out. They give the team hope. Ooh, they're up three games to one or whatever they're at. They they can't possibly blow this, and they always do. They and always find a way. I, you know, just coming from a fan base that in another sport that has had their fair share of struggles over the years, uh, I can only feel for them. And I just hope that one of these days, I want the meme to continue. I want them to keep choking in the first round, but that fan base, they, they need something. They need something soon. They need, they need some at help. least a playoff win at some point because I, I, I just feel bad for them. You know what I mean? I feel for them a little bit, but at the same time, keep those memes going. <laughs> Toronto, I'm sorry. Stick to basketball sometimes. <laughs> Moving yeah. on to the second round. We're going to look at the Colorado Avalanche playing the St. Louis Blues, where the Avalanche won that series 4-2. to Personally, I'm a little surprised it lasted as long as it did. The Blues did put up a decent fight there, but the Avalanche being the Avalanche this year, just so dominant, so well, bested the Blues in six, and I think that was another very dominant series. A lot of fun to watch because there was a little bit of fight, that was put up by the Blues, unlike in the previous series where the Predators kind of just knelt down and rolled over in four. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, of course, the Avalanche, they're going to do what they're going to do and win that series. Yeah, and the Blues really put up a good fight against the Avalanche there, all things considered. I had them, I had the Avalanche winning in six uh, from the beginning, so I, I was actually pretty accurate in the first round or two, um, at least at first. Uh, but the Blues, they you could tell that they were very frustrated there because I believe it was David Perron ended up going right after, I forget who it was, uh, uh, Nazem Kadri it was, just going right after him. and In that final after, game there, yeah. They, yeah, and I think it was uh, after a collision against Jordan Bennington, which I think was incidental, um, you know, being completely unbiased. It did not look like there was any ill intent there. And so for Nazem Kadri to end up, you know, bouncing back from that, he had a hat trick, I believe, to just completely shut the Blues up. That was very satisfying to see. So definitely a good fight there. Definitely the most frustrating series for the Avalanche. Um, but they were able to overcome it and answer right back. So, uh, you know, creds to him and creds to uh, Nazem Kadri. Absolutely. Moving on, we have the Battle of Canada, which you actually predicted before uh, this series became a thing in Game 7 yep. between Edmonton and L.A. I remember seeing this on your Instagram story. We had uh, the Calgary Flames taking on the Edmonton Oilers, where the Oilers ended up besting the Flames fairly easily in that series, 4-1. to one. I was personally very surprised by this. I thought the Flames would have at least put up some sort of a fight, and they really didn't. They just kind of seemed gassed after that uh, seven-game series. And the Oilers, even though they went to the seven games as well, they just seemed well-rested and ready to move on. Yeah, I was surprised that the Oilers actually won the series. I thought the Flames were the more well-rounded of the two, um, given they have better defense, although not by much, uh, better goaltending. Johnny, uh, not Johnny Gaudreau, uh, Jacob Markstrom, uh, one of the best goalies in the entire league this year. And he struggled greatly against Edmonton. Um, and so 
I was surprised that it only went to five games, but I, I was still very entertained by it just because there was a lot of a lot of goals being scored, a lot of grit in both sides. And, you know, if you're new to the game of hockey, that was definitely the series to watch because it was just absolutely exciting. Absolutely. And one of the takeaways I had from this that continued into the next series was that Mike Smith, you never know what kind of Mike Smith you're going to get. He's 40 years old, I believe. And there were some games where he just did not show up at all. Um, example, that first game in that series. And then there were other uh, games throughout the playoffs where he was just lights out. So it was really the X factor in that whole series there was how good Mike Smith was going to do. Absolutely. And I think obviously the standout star of that series had to be Connor McDavid. What a playoff run he had. Absolutely mm-hmm. incredible. Moving yeah, on one here. Of the- Playoff, sorry about that. One of the Are best playoff runs of anyone in, in history, really. Oh, by far. Nuts. And it, for, you know, I, I know we'll talk about this just here in a second, but, I, you know, for as an Avs fan, I'm almost disappointed that the Oilers couldn't make it even further because of all that talent they have. You want to see McDavid and Dreisaitl in the, uh, in the uh, Stanley Cup finals there, but, you know, that... Maybe it'll happen soon. One day. Moving on. I know we touched on this a little bit earlier, but we had the Carolina Hurricanes taking on the New York Rangers, where the Rangers ended up winning 4-3, to three, coming back from another 3-1 lead. What a series. What a series. Yeah, I was, I was very impressed with that one, too. Um, it just goes to show that, like I said, Goaltending is the most important thing in the playoffs, and with Igor Shosturkin just absolutely uh, lighting it up for the Rangers against a uh, Carolina team who's kind of has like an okay tandem at goalie there. I know they were kind of struggling there uh, with a, a few absences, but I was very impressed with this series. I was very impressed with Max Domi especially, and um yeah, just a very exciting series there to see as well. Absolutely. I was actually very impressed with Igor Shosturkin as well because he struggled in the series against the Penguins a yeah. lot. He did not look like the goalie that everyone remembered, but he stepped it up against the Carolina Hurricanes when it mattered the most and thus led the Rangers on in the playoffs. And then we have the most disappointing second-round series of all time, in my opinion, the Battle of Florida, where we watched the Florida Panthers get absolutely smoked by yep. the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah, you just hate to see that because, I mean, I'm a believer in the President's Trophy curse. I knew that if the Florida Panthers were going to keep that curse going, it was going to be against the Lightning. I just didn't think it was going to be in four games. I thought that they would put up a little more of a fight. I think I had Tampa in seven games. I also could have seen six. But the fact that they just got absolutely swept was very surprising. And just, just probably, like you said, probably one of the most disappointing series um, that we've seen in a long time. Easily. That's, this is actually the series where my playoff bracket completely fell apart because I had the Panthers going all the way. I trusted in Sergei Bobrovsky very wrongly. And, like, we mentioned they got swept. It was kind of a rough series to watch. Mm-hmm. Now, we had the Colorado Avalanche taking on the Edmonton Oilers. 
And I don't want to say this is almost equally as disappointing, but almost as the Colorado Avalanche ended up sweeping Edmonton and moving on to the Stanley Cup Finals. I still think the Oilers put up a pretty decent fight at times. Connor McDavid is continuing to prove why he is one of the greatest players right now. But the Avalanche are just the Avalanche. They're so good this season, like we touched on. And Yeah, they, they sorry, sorry about that. They just have the better overall team. I mean, in terms of like scoring firepower, I think that they're both pretty evenly matched up. I mean, really no one is on Connor McDavid's level. Uh, but in terms of defense, uh, Colorado just completely destroys them as far as defense goes. I was really impressed with Kale McCarr and Devon Taves and uh, as far as how they were able to contain McDavid for the most part. And then goaltending. Uh, I think that was the thing that really stood out was the fact that, like I said, Mike Smith, you don't know what kind of Mike Smith you're going to get because there are some games he was lights out and other games he was just a block of Swiss cheese. <laughs> and, <laughs> so then when you get, um, when you have a goal, a very solid goaltending duo that Colorado has in uh, Paval Francois and um, Darcy Kemper, which both have stepped up when they uh, absolutely needed to, that's really what set apart both teams. And again, I was kind of surprised that Colorado ended up sweeping. Um, I was surprised that, uh, the Oilers ended up winning that previous series, like I said. Uh, but, yeah, it was, it was just a very, very, another very dominant series against uh, or um, for the Avalanche. Absolutely. And as of right now, the Avalanche have only lost two playoff games this playoffs. That is yep. absolutely you know incredible. Yeah, you know, it's very similar to when the Monsters won the uh, Calder Cup under Jared Bednar. The first round they swept, I think it was the Rockford Ice Hogs. Second round, they went to six games against the Grand Rapids Griffins. And then the third round, they swept the Ontario Reign and would end up moving on and uh, sweeping in the finals, which I don't think is going to happen with the Avalanche this year. Uh, but I do see a lot of parallels under the Avalanche under Bednar now versus the Lake Erie Monsters under uh, Jared Bednar. Absolutely. Looking at the other series here, it was the Tampa Bay Lightning taking on the New York Rangers, where the Lightning unfortunately won 4-2, making their third consecutive Stanley Cup Finals appearance. Without a doubt, this is a very entertaining series, but I think that Igor Shosturkin, his playoff struggles definitely were exploited in this series. We had watched him struggle greatly against the Penguins, a little bit against the Hurricanes, Neither team could really capitalize on his issues and his struggles. Tampa Bay, though, they capitalized. They knew what needed to be done to make their third consecutive finals appearance. What are your takeaways from this? You know, it's kind of like, and not to take anything away from Tampa, because they are still that Stanley Cup team that's just as good as they've been the last two, three years. Um, but... You know, the opponents that they've faced up until this point was, you know, or at least I should say, at least in the championship rounds was, you know, this year you had a Rangers team that exceeded pretty much everyone's expectations. And it was almost a matter of when that team would kind of show their true selves, that they weren't like an absolute powerhouse that was going to make it to the cup. And kind of like last year when they took on 
I think it was the Islanders in the uh, champion in the Eastern Conference Championship round, or however the divisions were at the time. You know, the Islanders, they were another one of those surprising teams that made it really far, but you knew that at some point they were going to hit that breaking point. And so I, 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 I feel like it's the same with the Tampa Bay Lightning this year. Um, but that's not to discredit anything that Tampa has done. I think they're going to put up a very big struggle um, against uh, the Avalanche, and I'm very excited to see how they'll do in the uh, finals for the third year in a row. Absolutely. Now, we have the matchup. The Colorado Avalanche taking on the Tampa Bay Lightning in Game 1, coming up on Wednesday, June 15th, two days from when this episode will go out. Who do we have winning Game 1 and winning the series? Uh, it's it's going to be a very tough series. I have the series going to seven games. I think the Avalanche are going to ultimately win. I think that out of any of the teams that are playing the Lightning, I think that the Avs are the best equipped because they match up pretty evenly. Uh, they match up very well on, all, on pretty much every level when you talk about goaltending. Obviously, Andre Vasilevsky is better than the goaltenders that the Avs have, but they also the Avalanche also have a very strong goaltending tandem that a lot of other teams lack, and that's kind of a trend that you see in the NHL nowadays, you're seeing a lot more very strong goaltending duos. And so I think that they match up pretty well there on that front. Defensively, both strong defensive powerhouses, especially when you look at Kale McCarr versus Victor Hedman, two uh, perennial Norris Trophy candidates. And also when you talk about the offense, uh, you know, Steven Stamkos is playing out of his mind. You've got Nikita Kucherov, and that's going up against uh, um, Nathan McKinnon, who I have winning the Conn Smythe Trophy. And you also got Gabe Landeskog. I know, um, unfortunately, Nazem Kadri is out for the rest of the series after sustaining an injury in the last series. But I think both these teams match up very well when you look at them from a talent perspective. Um, and I think the Avalanche are the best equipped to handle them. And I think that this is the year that they end the Lightning's uh, little run i think that the lightning will not three-peat and jared bednar will get his first uh championship in the nhl i would hope so i really want the avalanche to win but i can't ignore the facts i have the tampa bay lightning winning in seven i don't like to admit that because Mm -hmm. it hurts to see the uh lightning continue to be this absolute powerhouse in the nhl but i'm gonna take the lightning here i believe you know they've been here before they have that experience. They want the three-peat. They're going to go in, and they're going to handle the Avalanche. The Avalanche will put up a fight, though. It's going to be a great series. I think no matter who wins, it will go to seven. It'll be very entertaining. But I'm not opposed. I won't be upset at all if the Avalanche win. I actually would like for them to win. But again, like I said, I have to trust with who I know personally will win this series. All right. Even though you said the Kings would end up making the to the uh, finals. <laughs> I've been wrong sometimes. Yeah, sometimes just to recap a little bit today we talked about the your columbus blue jackets the signing of jack rosovic what we want to see us do this off season extend patrick line number one then we take took a look at the nhl draft who we want our columbus blue jackets to take took a look at the stanley cup playoffs and just recently predicted who we think is going to win the stanley cup finals 
Be sure to tune into Sports Power Talk every Sunday from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. And tune into our podcasts, SPT Rewind and SPT Overtime, which are currently streaming on all major services. My name is Patrick Weber. And I'm Dan Rowan, and go Avs. Go Jackets.